0: What this seems to be a picture of? It's just two people chilling. Right, just two <laughs> people. That's nothing
1: more to that picture.
0: Nah, not really. Just two people chilling.
1: I don't believe that you believe that. Um, I don't believe that you look at this as just two people. Um, I don't think truly is just two people, just people though, is it people. not? Yeah, but I think you're being—I
0: think you're being—I um, think you're being intentionally coy about what this is a picture of. <laughs> what are you being coy about? It's two people standing back to back in a picture. Yeah, and that's all you see—is two people. I'm—I'm I'm confused on what you would like me to to speak I don't, on in that I sense. don't think you are. I don't know why you do this. Um, I'm not trying to call you out, but you—you—you—you know—you
1: come out off of mute to talk about what this is a picture of.
0: And you act as if, as if you know there's nothing noticeable about this apart from the fact that they're two people. Well, I'm confused. Are you trying to get me to say that there are two different races in this picture? Yes, Is that I what am you want you me to say, that? say? Well, at the end of the day, wouldn't that just be feeding into the problem of looking at race instead of just acknowledging them as two normal people?
1: No, it's not, because you you cannot look at you can't like, you can't look at the people and not acknowledge that
0: there are racial differences, right? But if we're going for, let's say, if we're looking for equality within all this, then why would we need to point out things such as that? Because those things, those differences are real things. Let me begin by making one point very clear. There is a crisis on the Texas border right now uh, with the overwhelming number of people who are coming across the border. This crisis is a result of President Biden's open border policies. It invites illegal immigration, and is creating a humanitarian crisis in Texas right now uh, that will grow increasingly worse by the day. In getting information in my meeting with the Border Patrol, I learned these things. And that is one of the reasons for this crisis that has led to a dramatic change in just a few months is the change in policy. There was a policy uh, that uh, people who had come across the border illegally would be returned across the border, and there was also the remain in Mexico policy. Uh, With the elimination of those policies, that led to a dramatic increase in the number of people coming across the border. Uh, Second, uh, the, the Border Patrol told me that they did inform the Biden administration and let them know that this influx was coming. So it's not as if the Biden administration didn't know about it, it's not as if they didn't have time to get prepared for it. But it is clear they are completely unprepared for what is going on on the border now. And they're going to be even more unprepared for what will be happening in the coming months. He does not care about Americans. He cares more about people who are not from this country. I need the Biden administration to step up and start providing the safety and security that Texans and Americans deserve. And let me be clear about something. One reason why we are surging Operation Lone Star at this time is because we know what is coming behind all the people who are crossing the border today, and that is the caravans that are seeking to come here. And Texas is sending a message to any caravan and to any cartel member. We're ready. We're waiting for you. If you dare step into the state of Texas, Texas will use every tool and strategy we can to to arrest anybody who's violating the law, to put behind the bars anybody who's violating the law, to make sure that the laws in the state of Texas are gonna be enforced. If you are a caravan or you're a cartel, you better take your activities to some other place because they will not be accepted in Texas.
1: Okay, and welcome to episode 35 of the Point B Podcast. we got a lot of audio uh, to cover today that I'm going to try to chop down as much as possible. Uh, today being Good Friday, Happy Good Friday. Um, we got the day off, my wife and I, so we are enjoying some time in the house. So, with that opening audio, we heard Greg, uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas blaming President Joe Biden for this border surge, the crisis, the situation, and the inhumane treatment of thousands of children uh you might think that that sounds a little bit harsh um maybe that is some undue blame put on uh president biden by governor abbott um or maybe it just sounds like another soundbite. you know you can obviously tell from some of the the sentences and the structure of what governor abbott was saying that he is definitely prepping for 2022 which if you don't know in texas that is when uh he'll be running for re-election i believe uh, so he's definitely putting some sound bites together, but I think the sentiment behind what he was saying is extremely honest. He didn't get out there for, you know, three minutes and then have thirty seconds of a, a good sound clip and then just rambling, which is about all we get out of Joe Biden anymore. Uh, we you got ten minutes of solid just fact finding. Um, Governor Abbott, along with many Republican Congress members, have been. Heading down to the border, I'm sure some of them are doing it more as political fodder, but you got to believe that there's some humanity in some of these people, right? Um, and, I, and I think when you listen to the audio clips I'm, I'm about to play for you, which is the extended version of what I played in the opening, you'll see that there really is only one conclusion you can come to as far as what is not only what is happening at the border, but why it's happening. Uh, so listen to uh, a few clips here and and you tell me, whether it's a DM on Instagram or uh, email to info at com. let me know what you think about what's going on at the border. And this is one of those situations where the further I get into it, the more I read about it, the more I realize it really is one of those situations where you can blame somebody because it's not like we've got 30 years of kind of a fluctuating thing you had around 2000, I think it was four, I think 2004. And then, of course, all the way through by the uh, Obama administration, you had a steady decline in the number of border apprehensions and the number of illegal border crossings. Steady decline. And then under Donald Trump, of course, he had the remain in Mexico policy. And, and you, you had basically Donald Trump saying, do not come, you will be sent back. He, he removed incentive for people to come to the border illegally. Uh, he had, uh, what was it called? I think it was, uh, I can't remember the acronym. There's there's so many freaking acronyms to remember, but there was one where it was basically where they can apply for citizenship in their home country. So they could do all this through, whether it was online or through the their uh, consulates, things like that. They could apply for citizenship and go through the process while remaining where they're at. Obviously, that doesn't work for everybody in every situation, particularly these people who've decided they're safer with the drug cartels than they are in their home country under their home police forces. That says something. So I acknowledge that. I have sympathy for that and empathy. But at some point, the you, you might call it the, the harsh reality. You might call it the unsympathetic policy. Really does result in the most humane thing, which is children and women not being sold into slavery to these drug cartels and then being brought here for purposes other than just wanting a better life. Yes, the people want a better life. And I, I I agree. I've I've said before, if I was in their situation, you damn well better believe that I'm going to do everything it takes to get my wife and my children across that river into America, even if it means being put in jail or whatever the, the circumstances might be. But the humane, compassionate argument is don't make the dangerous trek through the desert don't sell yourself to the drug cartels. Do it correctly. And the only way you can have an efficient operating working immigration system is if there are no holes in it. There's no point in trying to build a better boat if your, your blueprint for the boat includes a massive fucking hole in the bottom of it. And then every four years, one president comes in, decides to cork it up, and then the next guy comes in and pops the cork out. It's illogical. It's really it's, it's borderline insanity if you think that that can actually work, and it can't. And nobody knows this better than the border uh, border states. And Gr- Governor Greg Abbott has done a, a phenomenal job of addressing not just the political side of what's happening on the border. He's providing context. He's providing facts. And it's not Greg Abbott sitting in Austin hypothesizing about what's happening. He's talking to CBP, Customs and Border Protection, or patrol, and he's getting the facts from them. So you heard in that opening audio, CBP has said they warned Joe Biden that this was going to happen. Exactly this would happen if, one, he removed the policies of the Trump administration, which had resulted in a sharp decline in illegal border crossings and apprehensions. And Joe Biden was told, if you lift those, this is what will happen. And that's exactly what's happening. And it'd be be one thing if they said, you're going to have a ton of people coming to the border. If you accept that, and you're okay with that, then the humane next step would be, all right, let's beef up security. Let's beef up the facilities to take in these people. There are things that should have been done, even if your philosophy was more people on the border is good. If you really believe that for some, some twisted sense that the United States is responsible for taking in everybody across the world, then what are we? why aren't we just putting out freaking Facebook ads saying, hey, come to America, doors wide open. So, let's get into the uh, I got a few audio clips here of uh, further Governor Abbott um, and then, then we'll discuss a little bit before moving on to the, the, the real fun stuff, which is the the other opening audio piece, which is that uh, critical race theory. So um, this is Governor Abbott talking from the border.
0: What the Border Patrol told me, and this is actually part of the cartel strategy, because of the volume of people coming across the border, the Border Patrol that makes uh, the, the arrest, they have to engage quite literally in babysitting. And while they're doing babysitting, that provides an opportunity for the cartels to be able to bring other people across the border illegally. More about the cartels in a second. Two factoids that the Border Patrol shared with me. Just this calendar year alone, there have been more than 800 criminal aliens apprehended. Those were criminals, uh, violent criminals, who had been previously arrested in the United States and deported, who came across the border again. Among those included 78 sex offenders and 62 gang members, including gang gang members from MS-13. And know this, cartels, they are ramping up trafficking across the border. They're exploiting women and children, and they are overwhelming Border Patrol resources.
1: Okay, so pretty irrefutable. I don't think anybody is disputing what he just said. It is not the people who might get citizenship out of this. They're not the only ones who are coming out of this profiting or uh, this isn't what's just best for them. The entire Joe Biden border policy is best case scenario for the drug cartels. Really think about that. There there are, are mechanisms of international law and, and immigration law that we can look at and unite behind that benefit the people who not only want to be here but should be here who who support our values who who are rejecting the countries they're leaving and want to come here and contribute to a society at large and promote good and decency um and good morals across the board that's great everybody wants that that, that nobody's disputing that regardless of what you hear from certain democrat talking heads what is up for dispute is who else is benefiting from these policies. And when you've got verified dollar amounts that these drug cartels are receiving for bringing people across the border, I watched a, uh, a video from Dan Crenshaw from Houston, and he was one of the, the people that went down to the border, and literally, you know, he's sitting there in a, in a truck with his headlights on, and you're watching people walk across the border, across the river. And one of the things he points out is it's not just these people that are the concern. Because they didn't do anything wrong per se. I mean, they're not here to overwhelm our, our border and, and infiltrate our system. They're not an invading force. They're just they're trying to survive. Everybody's got sympathy for that. But that that line of thinking right there is where Democrats seem to stop. They seem to their intellectual curiosity gets shut off. As soon as they finish the idea of these people coming here for a better life. And the difference between that and then a Republican or conservative who is for strong borders, a Trump thinker maybe, is that there are other people that are benefiting from this. So you've got a surge of people coming to the border. Now, border patrols, starting at about 6 p.m., their job is escorting and meeting these women and children, getting them a blanket, getting them hot food and some water. And quite literally babysitting these people, meanwhile, while all the border patrol forces are occupied, they're being f- excuse me being flanked by drug cartels who are now coming across the border and we you saw the video I think everybody's seen the video now um of the there's a, a cartel member who's who climbs the fence with two babies. I think they're they're you can call them children like three or four, I think. Climbs the wall, and then drops them a very long distance. By the way, drops them on the other side, and then runs away. How is that humane? It's not. It's 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 flat out just inhumane. And so that's why I say that there is. This is one of those situations where you can assign blame, and I will assign blame, and Governor Abbott will assign blame, because you had literally. Not even, what, four or five months ago, this was not an issue. And then as soon as the world saw that Joe Biden was going to be president, and then on day one, he removes all of these policies from the Trump administration that kept this at bay. If you're thinking America's the place for me to be, Joe Biden just laid out the, the red carpet. He just said, come on in. Water's fine. And that's a problem. Because it's resulting in exactly what we're seeing. And, you know, at first, I think the the Biden administration and Jen Psaki thought that they could just kind of sweep it under the rug and that it would be fine. But this isn't even the worst of it. This isn't even. This isn't where it ends up, where it ends up. Well, you're about to hear from Governor Abbott where this ends up.
0: And when the Border Patrol agents are so completely overwhelmed, it's during those moments that the cartels will bring across the border even the more dangerous elements it could be uh, people who are violent criminals or it could be people who are from what are called uh, special interest countries those are interest uh, those are countries that are uh, uh, raise concerns uh, about the danger they may pose to the United States such as people coming from countries like Iran and Iraq China as well as elsewhere the cartels are quite literally being enriched because of the policies that are being used by the Biden administration. He, the Biden administration is helping the cartels make more money and grow more power. They are uh, allowing smugglers who are members of the cartel on the Mexican side bring in narcotic smugglers, special interest savings, as well as drugs that include fentanyl, cocaine, and opioids. One thing that is clear from all the observations and all the information that I've been able to gather, and that is we need more ICE detention facilities in this area immediately.
1: So there's another <laughs> just stark contrast between the right and the left. And, and it's it's not... Necessarily a contrast, I, I would say, of right and wrong. I believe there is people on both sides that want to do the right thing, and, and like I've said before, I I sympathize with the position of these people. Just want a better life. I get it. You know, you don't have to. You are preaching to the choir on that one. The difference isn't right and wrong. The difference is just how do we go about doing this? Do you know? There is there is one side that might say, well, it's beef up. The countries that they're coming from. How how do we support the the people in creating a democratic system where they can elect good leaders, not basically cartel dictators? There's um, so there's a lot of a lot of differences there in opinion, but what cannot be refuted and what cannot be um, understated is that it's not just good people coming through. Everybody loved it to to listen to the to the Donald Trump clips of him saying that the people coming across the border are rapists and they're killers and they're bad people. And they chopped that, that whole speech up into a 13 second soundbite to make it seem like he thinks Mexicans are rapists. And it's so disingenuous because he was making a much larger and a very true point that I don't think anybody out there could even try to say is wrong. And that when you, when you don't have a filter, for what you're allowing in to the system. Anything and everything comes in. And so now, you know, terrorists don't have to worry about sneaking on a plane and somehow getting into America. All they got to do is find a a partner country that doesn't mind terrorists coming in as long as the terrorists leave to go somewhere else. And those nations exist. I think uh, right at the start of all of this uh, border search stuff, it was like immediately, there. I think there were eight are nine people on, on the terror watch list apprehended at the border. What are we doing? How, how does that make a lick of sense to anybody? So here's one more sound bite of Governor Abbott, and then we'll move on.
0: The Biden administration is joining together with progressives, pretending that ICE is going to go away or be eliminated. ICE is essential in this entire process, and we expect the president and the Biden administration to step up, fully fund, and actually add additional funding to the ICE program as well as provide ICE with every tool and strategy they can provide them to make sure that they're going to be able to play the role they must play when people do come across the border. Also let me make this very clear, because what I'm about to tell you is maybe one of the most reprehensible things I've heard this whole time. The Biden administration is not providing vaccinations for the Border Patrol. We have Border Patrol officers whose lives are on the line on a daily basis, an hourly basis. And the Biden administration will not step up and provide those Border Patrol officers with the vaccinations they need. The Biden administration should surge vaccines to Texas to all men and women on the Border Patrol this week and ensure that every Border Patrol officer in the state of Texas will be vaccinated this week. Anything less than that is the epitome of inhumanity.
1: Wow. So, tell us how you really feel, right? Um, that That is actually something that I, I forgot before, just now. Um, it's pretty incredible that you've got a president who is, has been so gung-ho when we actually do hear from him, uh, and not just Kamala or Psaki. Um It seems like every time he talks, he's, you know, wear your mask. They work. They're there for a reason. We want to get a million shots in people's arms. We've we've heard that so many freaking times. And he's been so passionate about eliminating everything that Donald Trump did on our border. And yet he is not even he hasn't made mention word one of getting vaccinations to our our Border Patrol agents who are dealing with with this surge of immigrants. And last I saw, it's probably even more now, um, before these people are being put six inches from each other, I thought it was six feet, guess not. These people, before they're they're spooning with each other in space blankets, they're coming across the border. There was already, I think a 23 or 28% infection rate. And so we're requiring our border patrol to deal with these people in the most humane way possible. And there are stories... So many stories of these these border patrol agents looking after and caring for these kids as if they were their own. It's truly inspiring, and they're doing it in the face of COVID-19, which I thought was step one of Armageddon. I thought COVID was the worst possible thing that could happen to us. It resulted in shutting down the economy that Donald Trump built that hired more Americans, took unemployment from Hispanics to historic lows, Unemployment for black Americans to historic lows. All of the progress we made, we shut it down because COVID is that bad. And then we're told we have to care about people who, who are not from our country, who are showing up at our border unannounced. And we're supposed to care for them, which we do, and we are. But who is left out of all of that compassion? In every single scenario, it is American citizens. We talked last episode, if you haven't listened, last episode was a great one. We talked about the children who in California, over 130,000 are wanting to go back to school to in-person learning. And the Biden administration is saying, maybe by the end of the year, we'll have a hybrid for all children in the country. But in the same breath, they are putting kids into makeshift school from the border, and they are doing 100% in learning, We are educating children that are not our own better than we're educating our own. Just think about that. We are treating these people better than we treat our own. And it's not like I'm saying, oh, you're an American. You deserve better treatment than somebody from Mexico or South America or Central America or any other country for that matter. It's not the, the, the deserving. It is what is happening. And it's, sh- it's showing hypocrisy, because as we said last episode, either COVID-19 is a danger, therefore these immigrants are being put at risk of their own lives by going back to school in person. Or, they just care more about these immigrant children than they care about American citizens. And either way, shame on you Democrats. Shame, shame on you for electing somebody who you knew was not capable of performing his job. Because he can't even walk up freaking stairs. It's incredible. Before we move on to the other piece of audio on the intro, um, just saw some updates from Washington post that there was a car that rammed a barricade at the U S Capitol. From what I understand, they just took down some barricades, I think this week around the Capitol. And, uh, now a vehicle rammed, uh, into two Capitol police officers who were injured. And then, uh, the suspect is in custody and was shot. He got out of his vehicle after ramming the two, um, Capitol police officers had a knife. They shot him, took him down. He's in the hospital. Don't know who he is. We don't know why he was there. I'm sure plenty of people are, are not excited, but ready to assume the political ideologies of this person. But anyways, we're not going to hypothesize anymore about that. We'll wait for the facts to come out. Uh, hopefully CNN will follow suit. Doubt it. So the other piece of audio on in the intro was Frightening this teacher talking to a student and encouraging this student to look at a picture. And if you haven't seen the picture, Google it. Um, I found it. And of course the, the link will be in the show notes. Uh, I, f- I found it at the post millennial their, their Twitter page. Uh, I'm sure everybody's got it now. Um, but this teacher talking to a student and, and hats off to the student. It's very brave of uh, what he said. And they put up a picture and it's, A white girl back to back with a black girl. Now, what do you see in this picture? And the student had, obviously, you know exactly what this line of questioning is leading to. But the student decided to not be the one to point out the racial difference. Let's let the teacher do that. So the student says, well, at the end of the day, wouldn't that just be feeding into the problem of just looking at race instead of just acknowledging them as two normal people? You know, I I think somebody, uh, what was his name? Martin Luther King Jr. said something similar, not to be judged by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character, the content of your heart. Call it biblical times or call it whatever you want to call it, but we're in a, this situation where everything we believe to be true is, we're being told it's false. And everything that is good, we're being told that it's evil. It's, it's, it's amazing. And the teacher, to, to the idea that these are just two people not separated by race, the teacher shoots back. No, it's not, because you can't look at the people and not acknowledge that there are racial differences, right? And this is where it's troubling for me because that's just, a, that's one step down to this argument or this line of questioning. Because let's say the student didn't have a spine and he acknowledged, Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're one's white, one's black. Obviously there's a difference there. And then what comes next is what are those differences? And now the student has to acknowledge the differences that this teacher feels exist between people of race, besides just pigment color. Now, as we've seen in critical race theory, there is, quote, the oppressed and the oppressor. And those two words have very specific definitions, and it's not... Somebody who oppresses somebody. It's not somebody who's keeping somebody down. It is literally oppressor equals white. Oppressed equals black. And so the student asks, but if we're going for, let's let's say we're looking for equality within all of this, then why would we need to point out things such as that? That being skin color. And the teacher instructs, because those differences are real things. And... Again, we're forced to walk this fine line of yes, I agree. There are differences in culture and family values and morals and religions and all these things, different backgrounds based on people's cultures, people's races, you know here here in Texas, especially. you've got a very diverse culture. you've got one of the most African American cities. you've got some of the most Hispanic cities. And then you've got some extremely white cities. We've got an insane amount of diversity. And up until, what, five years ago? Well, let's let's call it mm, 12 years ago. A lot of this division didn't exist in our society. And then all of a sudden, we're told that white people just inherently hate minorities. And that anything a, a, a Republican does... To instill confidence in our system, be it our election system, be it uh, our immigration policy, that it is inherently racist. And that doesn't lead in any sort of direction that is even within the purview of unity. Which is shocking, coming from a president who campaigned on being a president of red and blue. In fact, I think within the same debate, he gave that same speech twice, obviously rehearsed in order to escape answering questions that had nothing to do with being a president of red and blue. It was one of those situations like, does he even know where he's at? And of course, the obvious answer is no. But I want to jump back to critical race theory. And there's this article coming from a judicial watch about a coach. I want to say he was a, a seventh grade, so probably middle school, um, who questioned critical race theory. Uh, This article, quote, Flynn is not the only parent going to court in opposition to a school curriculum based on the critical race theory that views all white people as racist oppressors and all people of color as the oppressed who are thus incapable of being racist. Gabrielle Clark sued Nevada's democracy prep charter school in federal court in December after her son, William was forced to describe himself as a racist because of his apparent Caucasian ethnicity. In fact, his mother is African-American, and his deceased father was Caucasian. Quoting the parent, My son is the only white student in this class, as far as we can tell. This teacher is blatantly justifying racism against white people, thereby putting my son in emotional, psychological, and physical danger. This is not okay. Now, the the, the article discusses that, but it's also discussing this coach who was fired for questioning critical race theory. So we're seeing a trend coming from this critical race theory. It's not a trend of, okay, well, we thought people would be on board with this, but, you know, nobody is really seeming to agree. So let's let's take that into consideration and let's find a way to discuss this. We're all rational, mature adults here, right? We can discuss this. No, we're not seeing that. What we're seeing is people questioning critical race theory, saying, um Hands up, I'm, I'm not a racist over here. Yeah, I'm white, but I don't hate black people. And those people are being shouted down. They're being put on lists on Facebook groups by parents who are saying, these are the parents within our school district who are racists, who are against critical race theory. And they're being fired. They're being silenced. We have Republican con- Congress members who are being silenced. And and it brings me back to the idea of, that I've said many, many times before, good ideas don't need to feel threatened by bad ones. It's only a challenge. If you believe that mankind has actually been to the moon and somebody says, no, we haven't, you don't have to feel threatened. You can just say, well, you were allowed to believe that, obviously, but we've got evidence that says you're wrong at best. Probably stupid would be a better description. And it's the same thing here. There are these people with a philosophy of white people are oppressors, black people are oppressed, people of color are oppressed. And then there's basically another half of the country, I would say a a vast majority of the country, but let's just take it by party lines. Um, Because let's be real, these these Democrat leaders who are talking about critical race theory and, and using terms like oppressed and oppressor they weren't born in Washington, D.C. They were sent there by Democrat voters. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They were ignorant. They're just watching CNN. They don't know what's going on. So let's say the vast majority of the people in this country would believe that you are not inherently racist just because of your skin color or you are not inherent, inherently incapable of being racist because of your skin color. Either direction it's still racist. But if we, all, we can all agree that the majority of us are just good people, then, then why, why are we standing for this? Is it because it's not happening to you? Well, we all know how that goes. First, they came for... And if you're not engaging on these issues because they're not relevant to you, but what 2020 showed us is the Democrat Party is not your father's Democrat Party. The Democrat party has been hijacked and then in order to provide cover for that radical left wing of the Democrat party, well, they had Donald Trump. And so you had millions of Democrat voters not voting for Joe Biden. You asked them why they're just voting for Biden. Well, because Donald Trump, and, oh, that's not the question, right? Why are you voting for Joe Biden? Well, Donald Trump said this and it's lazy. And unfortunately, and this is one of the reasons, probably the main reason, many conservatives did not want Donald Trump in office is because he provided the scapegoat for these radical, anti-American, and I would say anti-immigrant, anti-common just decency Democrat politicians. All they had to do was hold up a little flashcard that had Donald Trump's picture on it and, and then they never had to actually defend any stance they've ever taken while in Congress. Especially Joe Biden, who's been in Congress for, what, five decades now. He didn't have to answer any of those questions. All he had to say was Donald Trump. Imagine how the election would have turned out had Joe Biden run on what was originally a $3 trillion estimated infrastructure bill and is now being called a $2 trillion infrastructure bill after a 1.9 trillion dollar covid spending bill of which only 500 billion was actually to help out the american people but no we need we need 2 trillion dollars for roads and bridges and i don't i don't need to get into that anymore because we've talked about it it is not roads and bridges what they finally decided to say because everybody's calling them on their bullshit is it's it's green energy it's not repairing roads, it's supporting the green energy movement by artificially making it viable. And what do I mean by that? Most people don't buy the series one of any new piece of technology. And this is something that nobody seems to want to acknowledge when it comes to rich versus poor corporation versus employee. Let's say you're, you're just an employee. You get a W-2 from some company. You don't have an R&D budget. You're not providing money to, your, to the business that you're working for and saying this money is going to be used not to generate profits, but just to find new technology. And so that R&D stage is where most people are locked out because the technology is too new. It's too expensive. It doesn't work exactly right. And so it requires the people with disposable income to go and buy these products and say, and, and literally just test them. That is basically what they do. They buy Series One, and it's like this is a piece of crap. And then Series Two comes out at a lower price point, and it's got better features, and it works right. That's that's it's how technology works. And so bringing that back to the green discussion, green technology. Is not where it needs to be. Even the green technology giant, which is, um, oh, uh, Tesla shoot. What's his name? Thank you. Elon Musk. He is the, he's the dude who was saying, look, we're screwed people. (laughs) We're we're not going to make it on planet earth. We fucked it up already. So he is quite literally looking for a new home for people. And I heard him on Joe Rogan the other day. Solar technology is never going to replace fuel, the need for fuel. And if it could or was capable of it, you wouldn't have John Kerry flying to accept an environment climate change award on a private jet. It really is as simple as that. But now we're told, no, we've got to spend nearly $10 trillion in the first hundred days of Joe Biden's presidency. Like, that is such an astronomical number that, well, I'm not going to, I didn't bring my tinfoil hat with me, so we're not going to talk about the Great Reset, but (laughs) the implications of getting into such an astronomical amount of debt that literally cannot be paid back What is your course of action at that point other than literally resetting and coming to some global currency that everybody is now adopting? Anyways, so this New York Times article that I have linked to in the show notes talking about Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure bill. They don't want to talk about the tax increases. How are we going to pay for all of this? Because really think about it. How does a business get money? It's, it's by creating a product or a service that people with disposable income want to sacrifice their income in exchange for this product or service. So they, they raise money by selling a product, by, by solving a problem, or whatever it is. The article talks about instead of relying on the private sector for these things, that it's time now to use public interest money. What is public money? It's taxes. It's taxes. So if the government doesn't have mo- have enough money to do it now, how are they going to get it? If they're not going to sell something. They're going to raise taxes to raise the money. If they do sell something, it's going to be selling American debt to foreign countries like China. So again, every avenue of possibility does not result in the best interest for Americans. It, Benefits, literally everybody except Americans. So talking about taxes, I'm going to quote this article. When President Donald J. Trump in a Republican Congress rewrote the tax code in 2017, most of the benefits went to the wealthiest Americans, keep that in mind, with lower rates on businesses and on profits from investments, capital gains tax. The guiding principle proponents proponents argued was that cutting taxes on corporations and investors would encourage businesses to expand, creating more jobs and generating more wealth for everyone? I mean, that's trickle down economics. They don't want to actually say it, but that is trickle down economics. Who creates the opportunity in this country? Joe Biden would argue it's it, that that is the government's job. It is not. Quoting the article, by contrast, the animating idea behind the tax plan put forward by the Biden administration on Wednesday is that the best way to increase America's competitiveness and foster economic growth is to raise corporate taxes to finance huge investments in transportation, broadband, utilities, and more. The increase will, quote, ensure that corporations pay their fair share of taxes and fund critical investments to maintain the competitiveness of the United States and grow the economy. So tax, tax increase. What, what, what are the percentages? What are we talking about here? So Donald Trump came into office 2017. One of the first things he did in office was he rewrote the tax code. They passed it through the Republican Congress, which lowered the corporate tax rate from 35%. Think about that over a third of their taxable income, obviously that's revenue minus expenses and all those things, but their taxable income, 35%, he took it down to 21%. Biden is going to split the difference and take it back up to 28%. A tax break isn't, the left loves to call a tax break a subsidy. You know, the, the government, the federal government subsidizes the oil industry. A subsidy is an influx of cash. The government saying, hey, we believe in what you're doing so much, here's some extra money to get, get it going and to, to do it better. That is not what Trump did. Trump did not subsidize anything. He literally did. He decided, I'm not going to take as much of the money that you have earned. Now, what an Obama would say, probably very coherently, what a Joe Biden would try to say and would fail in saying, is that, well, like Obama famously said, you didn't build that. If you're driving a truck, delivering goods to a customer, well, you're doing that on a public road. Therefore, you owe more back to to the government because we created the opportunity for you to go and do that. And it's it's a really twisted sense of what the government's role is in helping the American people prosper because people like Joe Biden or Obama would say well, exactly what this article just said. The animating idea behind the tax plan put forward by the Biden administration is that the best way to increase America's competitiveness and foster economic growth is to raise corporate taxes. I think the flaw is, is the starting point of um, the, the government's role is to foster economic growth. And to increase competitiveness. That is not the government's role. The government's role isn't to create. Prosperity in the country. It's to get the fuck out of the way. And create. And and, and enable. The private sector to do what it does best. Their job isn't to do the work. It's to do their jobs. Negotiate interstate. International trade deals. And ensure opportunity. For the prides private sector and the and then the private sector gets to run with it and generate profits create a return for investors ensure f- future success through growth and investment in its employees and quality of product all these things that a free market prospers is the legs are chopped out from underneath the free market when you start injecting government regulation and make no mistake for many people yes there is a good motive behind all of this government regulation. For many people, most of the Democrat voters, yes, they want to do good things. It's just how they want to do it. They always want to do it when there's a Democrat in office and they hand all this power over to the federal government. And then what happens? The Democrats get voted out of office. Now we got a Republican in. Oh, the government's too powerful. Donald Trump's a fascist. He's fascizing because of the power that Democrats granted the federal government. And that's what it's so frustrating talking to Democrat voters because you can't get that idea across their brains because yes, there are Christian Democrats, but government has become their God. I have faith in God to supply the things that I need to supply the opportunities, the interactions, the networking, the conversations and discussions to do the things that I want to do or need to do. Democrats believe the same thing, but instead of God, it's government. They're they're very ready to replace God with government. The government can supply you with a basic income. The government can make this technology that isn't ready yet, they can make it ready by enabling you to afford it. Through literal subsidies, not tax cuts, how many millions and millions, probably billions of dollars were given to by Obama administration to corrupt solar companies like Solyndra that mysteriously just months later went belly up, and all of the executives of those companies got big, fat bonuses, and It was the regular people who were laid off and ultimately screwed so i don't I don't know well, I do know, but I don't know necessarily what the remedy is for this because it's not it's not a policy um uh, discussion it's a heart thing it's it's what do you value do you value security and knowing you got a steady paycheck and knowing you're being looked out for more than you value freedom liberty individual responsibility and and even in my short number of years of paying attention to politics, it's amazing to see this transformation away from people who, even people that just knowing the exact same person in their political ideologies, the evolution of that person from I can do it to thank God we have the government, thank God for Obama. And people are so ready to discount their own ability and what they can do with freedom, what has been done through freedom. The government hasn't created all these cures. The government isn't finding cures for freaking COVID. That was literally the government. I mean, literally Donald Trump saying, what is preventing you from creating this vaccine as fast as possible? Let's get that out of the way. And you went from a vaccine that would have taken years to go through all of the steps to get FDA approval and all the trials and all these things to, bam, by April we'll have it. And that's something else to note. I mean, I meant to find the link for this, but Donald Trump was saying by, uh, I think, April 15th or something of this year that... The vaccine would be ready and Americans would be getting vaccinated that every American would have access to the vaccine and the Democrats over and over saying that it's not going to happen. Quoting Joe Biden, no miracle is coming again. Quoting Joe Biden, we're in for a dark winter. How did people get fooled by the a complete lack of hope? I don't understand. Well, it was a hatred of Donald Trump. No, Donald Trump can do no good. So if Donald Trump says by April, we're going to have the vaccine. Well, he must be lying. And guess who just announced that now every American has access to the COVID-19 vaccine? Joe Biden. Guess who's taking credit for all Americans having access to the COVID-19 vaccine? Joe Biden. And I, I just don't understand how the, so many people have scales on their eyes that they can't see for themselves what is happening right in front of them. We're being told to deny what we're seeing with our own eyes. So to close things out, I'm getting close to an hour, a few points I want to touch on. And then I'm going to get to a much larger point. So bear with me because I'm going to, I'm going to jump around a little bit through a few topics and then I'm going to end up somewhere and it's going to be very hopeful and very positive. So stick with me. If I sound pissed, it's because I am. For some people, the idea that an African American, Hispanic, any sort of minority a disabled person, a female, that any of these groups of people can succeed at any endeavor they want to. You know, we used to watch those commercials of, um, and this I'm sorry, this is the white privilege and the sexism in me, but I remember Michael Jordan. I can't remember who the female was in the commercials, but anything you can do, I could do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. So we all saw that commercial way back in the day, and as annoying as it was, I mean, I don't think anybody really doubted that. Nobody doubted that a woman could do anything she sets her mind to. And if you really think about it, not, nobody can do anything they set their minds to. I can't go out and run 10 miles right now. I can, I can think I can all day long. But the idea that these people can do things, you know, a black man can be president. It's not shocking. It's not revolutionary for most Americans. Most people believe that the only people who seem to be shocked when a black person does something that doesn't involve a crime are Democrats and leftists. They're the only ones who seem to be just amazed when a minority or a woman does something remarkable. I mean, how racist is it to think, Oh, look that African American did something great, you know, for a black man. That's pretty good. Like how, wrong is that method of thinking and yet that is biden policy literally right now i've had i've heard a a lot of democrats especially around san antonio literally half of my family my whole mom's side of the family is a bunch of democrats god bless them now if they do something great then it's like well for a democrat i'm kidding i'm kidding but i have heard them say that They aren't on board with cutting police department funding. Now, that's an obvious opinion for my family because we have so many military members and uh, retired police officers in our family. I I credit one of the reasons why I'm so in love with my country is because of the Democrats in my family who served their country. Who decided, I have all these talents, but instead of pursuing sports or pursuing money, I'm going to go and serve my country. That's beautiful. That is not a Republican or Democrat thing. That's an American thing. And any person who makes that decision should be held up as a shining example of what it means to love your country. So I'm I'm never going to dispute that. But what I will call to attention is that the same people who will say I'm not on board with cutting police funding, hashtag defund the police, I'm not on board with that, yet I'm going to vote for people who are. It makes no sense to me. So follow that line of thinking. What other policies are Democrat leaders pushing that use this same flawed logic? And could it be, and hear me out here, could it be that many Democrats are actually much more conservative than they thought? Not Republican, but much more conservative. And I'm just going to, just two very simple examples. Everybody knows Politifact They like to do fact checking. George Soros funded, but we're not going to talk about George Soros right now. PolitiFact, they like to uh, say they have that little truth-o-meter and they say either, uh, what is it, liar, liar, pants on fire, or they'll say 100% true or wherever in between. So, I googled, because I remember hearing about this, uh, in the 2020 Democrat platform that they took God out of their national platform. I say this specifically because I'm talking literally to several of my own family members uh, that I will tag in the new episode um, for this, this episode. They are Christians. They believe in God. They believe in the power of prayer. They believe in Jesus Christ, that he came and died for our sins, and he rose again, and we're about to celebrate the the resurrection of our Savior. They believe those things, yet they support a political party that isn't just... they're not being inclusive by taking God out. They have a problem with God. You know, that rapper Tom McDonald that I've mentioned a few times, there's a, a lyric in one of his songs that saying, if Jesus was here on earth, I think you'd cancel him. And I think that is so true because anything that's in the Bible nowadays is considered borderline blasphemy against the government. PolitiFact on this Democrats taking God out of the national platform, the Democrat national platform. They gave it, I want to say it was like a, a mostly false. And they're hinging on literally a, a few words that were used in the Democrat national platform to say that this is false. Um, Because in the platform, the Democrats use the phrase God-given abilities. And with that, they're saying that the Democrats are okay with God. Um, it, But this isn't to say that Democrats should separate their love of power and big government from the Democrat party only to reattach it to the Republican party. That's not my, if, if you've listened to any episode before this, you know that I have no love for the Republican party. I don't give a crap. The argument is for less Washington DC government and more county level government. I live in bear County, which is one of the bluest, most Democrat counties in the country. And I love my city. I really do. Maybe it's just a Texas thing, but I love going to HEB pre-COVID when I could actually not have a, a mask covering my face. But just walking around, if you just happen to pass somebody in the aisle and you lock eyes, there wasn't the the awkward avert your eyes, don't make eye contact, because then you got to talk to this other human. It was hello, how are you? You know, and, and it, it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to go out in public and just see people and smile at somebody you don't know. And from what I've heard, that's not a nationwide thing. That is a very Texas thing, but we're not over here as Republicans sitting in Bear County thinking all these freaking Democrats, like that's just who they are. And that's how I view my family. That's just who they are. So I'm not saying that we all need to be Repu- become Republicans because that's, that lands us back in a, a different problem, same situation, just you're, you're in a different boat on the same ocean, basically. What I'm saying is less Joe Biden and more governor power, more mayor power, more sheriff power, more local, because who's, who better to, well, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm going to make this a two hour long episode. Um, so there's that example. You, you, you claim that God is, is your, Jesus is your savior, yet you're supporting a, a political party that is canceling God and canceling Jesus out of their platform supporting Black Lives Matter that that literally on their website said they wanted an end to the typical nuclear family. Another example, Cory Booker, who circa, I don't know, 2015, 2016, I really saw Cory Booker as maybe one of these Democrats that was sane and rational enough and not so high on his own ideologies that he could actually reach across the aisle and we could agree with. Unfortunately, he's an elected official, so now he's got to worry about getting reelected. And his constituents apparently don't want sane, rational discussion. But this PolitiFact saying mostly true um, that Cory Booker does want ID requirements to purchase a gun, but doesn't want ID requirements to vote. Now, how do you equate the two? We've already established in, I think, episode 34 about how you could directly link. Let's say you absolutely hate Donald Trump. They are going, they are not going to, they are linking the people who voted for him that they're saying resulted in thousands of people dying because of COVID, because of his mishandling. And then what happened on January 6th, they will attribute that all to Donald Trump and then flow through to Donald Trump's voters and supporters. So which has killed more, the gun or the ballot box? And yet they want IDs for guns, but no IDs for voting. They want to make it tougher for you to defend your family and easier for you to commit voter fraud. Now, I'm not saying that the election was stolen. I'm not saying there was widespread voter fraud. And I'm not saying that any voter fraud that there was resulted in Joe Biden winning. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is there's an inconsistency You're giving easy access to one thing because it'll benefit you and you're, you're wanting to restrict access on the other side because it benefits you in getting reelected. A spokesperson for Booker's office said that the post makes an inappropriate comparison. This meme quoting, this meme wrongly conflates ballots with bullets. That's, that's real catchy. The fact is that we urgently need common sense measures to stem the scourge of gun violence, and we also need to protect every eligible American's. Damn it, these people with their big words, sacrosanct. That wasn't that bad, right? To vote against unwarranted efforts to impose new barriers based on widely discredited claims about voter fraud. So let's break it all down. They love saying common sense measures to stem gun violence, yet their common sense measures restrict. Assault rifles, they want to call it an assault rifle ban. What it really means, and all these people think AR-15 stands for assault rifle. It, it doesn't. It stands for something completely different that I don't even remember. But all the, the recent gun violence that we've seen has been handled with pistols. And yet they're focused on scary-looking look, hunting rifles and consistency. But then they, they also say that they... They're standing against Republican efforts to impose, quoting, new barriers based on widely discredited claims about voter fraud. But what about our right as voters to have faith in our election system and not allow obvious flaws and holes in policies like a state who has never had mail-in voting all of a sudden sending out universal ballots before you had to ask for a ballot, provide a signature, and then that mail-in ballot absentee ballot would be verified using the signature that you provided on the request and the signature that you provided on the actual ballot itself when you mailed it in. They did away with that. Explain the logic behind that. So now these states, namely Georgia, has decided to be the first one to really take this issue on, they just want to be able to verify signatures. They just want to have a a, a system in place where they can people can have faith in the election system. But the Democrats aren't concerned about election integrity. They're concerned about making it easy for people to vote. And I'm sorry, it should not be easy for a 15-year-old to get behind the wheel of a vehicle because it's not just a vehicle that plays music and gets them to their job at Sonic. It's something that they could potentially hit another vehicle. They could end up killing somebody. There are ramifications to having that right. It's a responsibility just as much as it is a right. Same can be said about voting and the fact that they they don't want any sort of checks and balances when it comes to verifying that a vote is legit, to me it shows they're not concerned about fraudulent votes going to Republicans. As I said over and over and over after the election in 2020, it's amazing to me that with all the potential fraud, potential, not saying there was, but potential for fraud, that the Democrats were just certain that the Republicans would not use that as an avenue to cheat. They were certain of it anyways. So to close this out, this is to Democrats. This is to my family members who've made their opinions very well known when it comes to Donald Trump, when it comes to Republicans and frankly, when it comes to me, what if we are more united than you think? The people you voted for do not think that we are united. They think we have to be united by agreeing with their policies. But in fact, the word unity has already begun to fade from their speeches and in the answers they give to the press. Now, it's about what we must do. We must pass common sense gun reform. We must pass an infrastructure bill. We must get back into the Iran agreement. We must get back into the Paris Accords. We must allow thousands of people to come to our border unchecked, unfiltered, and grant them amnesty. We must, we must, we must, not can we do this together. If the priority really was unity, they're failing miserably. Is that you, though? Democrat voters, is that you? Do you believe that half the country is so far gone that there is no hope to unite? If you believe that there are cops out there patrolling the streets looking for an African American to kill, why isn't there more violence? If you actually believe that a Donald Trump presidency was trying to infringe the rights of minorities and was trying to literally commit genocide, AOC, on the border against Hispanic, uh, Mexican immigrants, If you really believe that, why wasn't there more violence? Because I'll tell you what, if I believed that about my government, I'd be acting very differently. The fact that so many believe Biden is the answer to these issues tells me that, well, we're not done, we're not screwed, but we got a lot of work to do. But I don't believe that, and I don't believe that about Democrat voters. I don't believe that you hate your fellow man and i do believe that we can come together but it starts with a show of vulnerability from both sides i don't know what that looks like exactly but for me personally it's exactly what i'm doing right now putting my thoughts and my feelings out there and many in my own family would condemn me for what i'm saying one in particular <laughs> if if he truly believes the things that he said about me just because i dared vote for Donald Trump. I'm wondering why he would even want to ever associate with me again on a human to human level. If I believe things about him, like the things that he says about me, that that he believes about me, I'd never want to see him again because he's a shitty person because his ac- his accusations condemn my motives, my beliefs, my morals, everything that defines me as me, which let's bring it down. This doesn't have to be so dramatic That tells me that he doesn't actually believe those things, but he felt emboldened by society and by this virtual border wall called the keyboard that everybody feels so confident standing behind. Everything in our society right now encourages, enables, and promotes the very worst in all of us. But I only see one political side fighting back against it. Only one side actually seems to have some faith in our fellow American. And that's incredibly sad, let alone dangerous. But it's also hopeful. Because I don't believe we're screwed. I see this as a challenge. I see it as a challenge that I have been met with for many years now. And only now have I realized that I'm probably not going to change anybody's mind or I'm not going to change the world. But maybe by just me acknowledging that this mission is in front of us, this challenge is in front of us, that others will rise to it as well. It's a challenge that I believe those who love and have fought for this country, including the person that I'm talking about in my own family, will rise to and conquer. I ultimately do believe that we will come out of this and we'll be better for it. If coming out of it and being better for it is the goal. And that's a big if. I believe there are people in politics, in office, whose goal is not peace, and they're on both sides, but they are the minority. The real minority are the radicals, are the people who do not want peace. The vast majority are the people like you and me who wake up in the morning, go to work, can't wait to get the hell out of there and get back home, and just feel safe enough to, to be at peace in our own home. So that's where I'll leave you. I'll leave you with that challenge. Like I like to try to leave you with challenges of don't just see the problem, jump on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and then bitch about it. It's, there's a challenge here, and the challenge is peace or no peace. And in a situation like what we're in, where we're so clearly divided, it really is black and white. It really is that sharp of a a dividing line, peace or no peace. And every decision you make that affects your fellow American plays in one of either directions, peace or no peace. So I challenge you to, to filter what it is you say, what it is you do, what it is you read, watch, listen to what you put out there for others to see, watch and listen to. If it's not rooted in peace, if it's not rooted in love, then, then it's the opposite and so with that <laughs> uh, it's, it's Easter weekend um, I'm going to go see some family the members of my family who are most vulnerable from COVID-19 have been vaccinated and I'm done Like as I said last episode I am done being isolated from my own family members so this Sunday I'm going to see some family we've got some new babies in the family uh, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm so looking forward to just seeing my family again because I'm not one of these people who's, you know, well, Joe Biden is, says a COVID-19 is, is serious. So I, I guess I have to think that it's completely just a, a farce. Okay. I guess I have a cat in my lap now. Um. So anyways, with that, I'll leave you. Uh, ta- if there's any topics that you're passionate about, things that you want to just bounce off of somebody or you want to put out there on a, in podcast form but you don't have a podcast yourself I invite you to come on the show you can find us on Instagram at point B underscore cast send us a DM hit the email button and in, uh, email us info at crossandmusket.com. let us know what you want to talk about and we'll get you on the show it's not hard to do uh, that, that or if you know somebody who likes to just BS about politics tag them in one of our posts or, or share one of our posts with them do whatever it takes and then we'll have them on the show because i think that would be the next the, the next logical step is me not just talking to myself <laughs> it's it's not me just staring at my computer screen and just saying the words that i've already thought i really want to have people here who will push back you know when i say things like joe biden is pretty responsible for the border i want somebody here to say i'm an idiot for thinking that and then challenge me on what i'm saying that way we can if we can go back and forth weighing each other's arguments hopefully we can settle on the true answer on the truth and so with that enjoy your easter holiday um i hope you get to see some family and uh be kind to each other and promote peace in whatever it is you do we will uh, i'm going to try to start cutting back on these episodes because i am putting so much time to just the podcast it's just me by myself so i can't put out the videos and other content that i want to so uh, we may go back to just fridays which ultimately might be better because then oh then we can get some other things out there and um start bringing y'all on the show and, and things like that so anyways enjoy your weekend have some peace and uh, we'll be back next week take care